Hello, hello, and welcome to today's podcast. And let me tell you, this one is a cracker of a, an episode. I spoke with Stephanie Hoy, and a lot of you will know her because she recently became Educator of the Year, and it was such an immense pleasure being able to see Steph be awarded that because I've worked with Steph for the last 12 or so months as she's been a part of our Essential Elements course. And the wisdom and the information and the overall support that Steph brings to our membership is just amazing. Every time Steph opens her mouth, it's just like this wealth of knowledge just comes forth and I just can't help but be inspired by educators like Stephanie. Uh, She truly is such a wonderful advocate for family daycare and for educators as well. So Steph uh, is a passionate uh, advocate and she runs Little Creatures Family Daycare in Port Lincoln, South Australia. So it's a space full of love and creativity and adventure for children to play and grow. Little Creatures is an open space, uh, spacious environment designed for children to explore and learn through natural experiences. Uh, The focus there is to foster cognitive, social and emotional development through play-based learning. Steph believes for a child to develop and learn, they must feel happy, secure and secure within their environment. Steph supports children to develop and learn at their own pace whilst monitoring this development alongside early childhood milestones. Curriculum and programs are play-based and a strong focus on developing the whole child physically, socially, emotionally and spiritually to grow into their own unique personalities. So we touch on a little bit of that in this podcast interview, but our main focus was we were chatting, and Steph will say, talk about it in the podcast interview too, but we were chatting last week about seeing an alarming number of posts of educators that are starting the year already behind the eight ball. They're already feeling meh about what they're doing. And we really wanted to address that. And Steph sent me a message and I was like, well, how do I, how do I share this? Because this is so great. And all of your ideas are so wonderful, but I don't want people to think that I've come up with that. So I was like, let's get you on the podcast, mate, and and have a, have a great chat. So uh, Stephanie is a wonderful educator and such a fabulous uh, support for fellow educators, especially within uh, the essential elements. And I'm imagining where she is in South Australia as well. So Without further ado, please enjoy the gorgeous Stephanie Hoy. Hello, hello, and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast. My name is Victoria Edmund, and I am your host. Our aim here at the Big Hearted Podcast is to nurture a community of heart-centered educators to change the perception and delivery of early childhood education and care in Australia, and ultimately around the world. We want you to be inspired by our guests and the topics we bring to you to think of new ways of being as an educator. We want you to feel a sense of belonging via this podcast so that you can engage any time of the day or night in any place that suits you. We want you to become an educator that delivers education from the heart, as we believe this is how we create great change within our world. So join us as we discover new ways to inspire each other here 
the Big Hearted Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Big Hearted Podcast, the beautiful Stephanie Hoy, all the way from Port Lincoln in South Australia. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, Everybody's heard your little bio uh, already, but do you just want to tell us straight from the heart what it is that made you come into family daycare in the first place? Um, we moved to Port Lincoln from Brisbane, so it was a big sea change for us. And uh, I worked in um, the corporate world in Brisbane, and down here it's a very small little seaside town. So it was a change. I knew it would be a change of career for me, and I had nannied and governessed to put myself through uni um, and have always loved children, so that was a no-brainer for me. I just did my retraining and... We built our house knowing that this family daycare was what I would do and jumped right in and have loved every moment of it. So do you have a purpose-built space for your family daycare or you've... Uh, it's not purpose-built. So we we built a two-storey house. Our living quarters are upstairs and kitchen and um, lounge area downstairs. And then it's all glass on the northern side that opens to a large yard for the children to play in. Oh. Amazing. And I've seen pictures of your yard and it looks amazing. You've got lots of space at your place. Yes, lots yeah. of space and then rolls out to a paddock from there too. Yeah. So plenty yeah. of room to move. Feels endless. That's the that's the sensation or the feeling I got when I looked at your pictures too. And your neighbours are quite a distance away too, which is lovely for family daycare. It is, it is. <laughs> yeah, you don't have to worry. It's noisy the if you like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so much fun. It's good. And it's, it's also quiet when you need it to be quiet, which is which is awesome. I'm currently sitting in my office with all the windows closed because it's a Sunday today and my neighbours are pulling stuff apart and chucking it. Their kids are chucking it into the trailer. <laughs> so it's noisy. And I'm like, no, why did you start that just as I sat down? <laughs> it's just like at rest time every single day at rest time the neighbor starts the mower why why or some truck comes or yeah so you avoid all of that when you have your neighbors far away so it's a it's a lucky thing so you've been doing family daycare for seven years you and I were chatting the other day and noticed that this year in particular so many educators are starting the year already under the weather. So do you feel like this is the worst you've seen it? I think so. I've been, I've just arrived back home. Um, we've been on a long travel trip. So I've been sitting in the car in the passenger seat, scrolling through Facebook. Uh, I definitely think there's been a lot more. Um, I'm overwhelmed. I'm burnt out. I'm tired. I, I don't feel like I can just do it again for another year. Um, lots of people are looking for um, what to do after family daycare, So, which is quite concerning because whilst you're in that, in that feel um, and you are looking after children, they're affected by that. So, um, yeah, so I just thought, you know, I wrote to you and went, wow, this is really concerning. There's going to be a whole lot of kids in, coming into care being looked after by one person in family daycare that's really not got their mojo and not bringing the best to the table. Um, yeah. So, yeah, any chat we can have hopefully sparks some ideas to make people feel a bit better about themselves or make 
changes to make things better yeah. for their little children. Yeah, you know, that, and that's what I see. Like I don't always comment on Facebook anymore. I do within our groups um, but on the broader spectrum because it's just the same thing is what I see. And some of what I'm going to say is probably going to slap you in the face a little bit um, because I think it's really important that people take responsibility, personal responsibility for their business and how they show up within their business. Um, And that was one of the things that you had touched on um, when we were chatting earlier in the week. And, And I really want to explore that more. Like, let's just get big white elephant that's in the room and paint it rainbow fluoro colors so that we don't avoid it anymore. Because at the end of the day, you are totally responsible for how you respond and how you show up. And if those things are out of alignment to how you want to be or how you know you are naturally, you're the only person that can make the change in that. So when we talked about that earlier this week, you had some really great uh, ideas and suggestions. So let's start going into those now. What would be the first thing that an educator can do if they are one of those people that's finding themselves ugh, right now? Um, ah, I totally agree with everything you just said. Um, I think the first thing is check in with yourself. Like what's your attitude like? Is it um, and nobody wants to be around that person that's like, you know, and I can't be bothered. And, you know, it's like the children that come into your care are stuck with you because you're the only one there. But think of it in terms of if you went to the shop, you get really good customer service from somebody that makes you happy and brings out, brings out a smile. You know, you go, oh, that was awesome. I had a really good experience. Bad customer service you go away not feeling great, you're cranky. Yeah. So we're doing the same thing to the children that come into our care. If Agreed. we're if our attitude and the way that we set ourselves up for the day, if we're not there in the moment with the children, they're losing out. 100%. 100%. I went and fueled up my car the other day and and I don't know what was happening for this lady that was at the register. The customer before me, she was happy and cheery. I got to the counter. She turned into a mole, like in front of my eyes. Her whole face changed. Like I was like, what, what just happened? And I was friendly and I was like, oh, and I, I tapped my card and because the fuel was over $100, I had to put my pin in and I like, I forgot because like through COVID, it just accepted everything and, you know, I got out of the habit. And she's like, um, you pin. And I was like, oh, oh, sorry. Oh, how silly of me to have forgotten, you know, like blah, 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 blah. And she just was such a bitch. And, and I walked out of there and I was like, don't take it personal because I checked my energy and my energy was bubbly and happy. And hers had been for the prior person. Something in me triggered something in her. And I had to go, you know what? It's none of my business. It's got nothing to do with me. But children don't necessarily have that skill set. And it's taken me a lot of years to not take other people's stuff personally. I still do it with my partner and my children, still take their shit on. Oh, sorry, I've totally sworn twice now. 
I have to put a language warning on this one. Don't listen to this and the children around. Um, <laughs> I've had to check myself, you know, and and like it's taken a long time, but children don't have that. They still think everything is about them because they're like egocentric. Absolutely. Um, and they don't have a filter. So they will oh. tell you what you don't want to hear, but turn that around and make it work for you. Yeah. Like, Tori, are you having a baby? <laughs> <laughs> No, unless it's a chocolate baby. No. <laughs> We've all had that kid multiple times. Well, unless you don't look like you're pregnant when you're not, but <laughs> they don't. They don't have a filter. And, and you know, what happens too, and I talk about this in the essential elements, is it's not just that child that's coming into your home, it's their whole family and all the stuff that's happened in the home with them in the morning coming into your house as well. So you're so right. If you're not ready to be a vessel to contain that because your vessel is full of everything else and this really grumpy attitude that you might have, it's not going to work and your day is going to start out bad and end even worse. Yeah. Yeah. And it is totally changeable. So it's all about energy levels. So if you're in that low space, negative energy space, you can change it. it. It's totally up to you. We all run our own businesses. We get to choose what we make up our day with and yep. how we do it. So if yep. for you to to change that feeling and lift yourself up, if that means to go outside, take the children for a walk. If it um if that if for you, it means you need to do crafting or be a bit more mindful. Make sure you've factored that into your day somewhere. So mm. it's totally achievable. We just need to think about it, step back a little bit and go, how can I make myself feel better, be better, have higher energy levels to deal yep. with these children? Because we are holding space every day and you cannot do that from zero or low energy levels. You've got to be higher vibrating than the kids to contain all their stuff. Yep, yep. And that doesn't mean ah, all day. That doesn't mean that Not you do all. that at all during the day. High vibration means that you have the capacity to filter yourself. When someone's having a meltdown, you have the capacity to hold that calm space. That requires a lot of energy on your behalf to do that so that your calm spills over onto them and when they're ready, they accept that calm and they feel that way too. So it takes a tremendous amount of energy to remain calm and in a state of equilibrium throughout the day. So I know for me, um, those of you who have listened and followed along to Big Hearted for a long time now, probably are aware that I got diagnosed with adrenal fatigue at the end of last year. And what that reminded me of, because I'm forever, you can't pour from an empty cup. And there I was pouring from an empty cup. And like I crashed at the end of the year and I couldn't even string sentences together. And that came at the end of, you know, the accident with Brian and blah, blah, blah. You know, so there was a lot of extenuating circumstances that led me to where I was. But now I'm here I took personal responsibility and I went and saw my doctor. I got all my blood tests done. I got 
I then went to a naturopath and took that information to the naturopath. And then, then she diagnosed me with adrenal fatigue because a doctor, medical profession, professional can't diagnose you with that because they don't believe it. But I tell you right now, within a week to 10 days of getting onto the supplements that my naturopath um, subscribed to me or prescribed to me, a world of difference, a massive world of difference. And then we just discovered that my melatonin levels are at a two when they should be minimum 15. So what I've done now is I've ta- I take melatonin now and a slow release melatonin. And I'm not suggesting anyone go and do this. You go and do your own work. <laughs> you go and find out your own things that are relative to you because each one of us is individual. But how how long has it been since you last went and had a full raft of blood tests done to see where you're at? So many of us, when we look at the age stats of family daycare educators, so many of us are sitting in the pocket of the perimenopause window. Mm-hmm. And it's vital. That thing, perimenopause, our mothers never talk to us about it. Their mother, no, the, like this is the first generation of women that have really started to become vocal and talking about that. And it's so important because it can be the make or break of you. There's so many women that are feeling dead inside and that's because their hormone levels are not right. So that is the first thing that if you're listening to this and you're that person who's feeling blah, go to your doctor, find a doctor who will recognize perimenopause. There is no training for doctors around perimenopause. So it's a specialized sort of doctor or a doctor who's got an interest in it or a naturopath or a homeopath, whatever you subscribe to, but go and do your personal responsibility on yourself first. Go and take take responsibility for where you sit in your life and do what you know. You already know what you need to do. Go and do it because you deserve to feel good all the time or as often as you can. You don't deserve to wake up on a Monday going, or a Tuesday, or a Wednesday, a Thursday, I'm going to leave family daycare. Like, why did you join family daycare? Why did you become an educator in family daycare in the first place? You know, let's get that. Stopping family daycare isn't going to solve your problem. You're just going to go, the grass isn't greener wherever you go. You'll still feel like that. So it is check in on yourself make the changes, feel better, and you'll be better for yourself, for your family, for everybody around you. 100%, 100%. So have you found yourself in that position? Uh, Yes. So um, the last couple of years, years, so I always take a break over Christmas, um, start the year really well, and then I just say yes to too many things, and by the end of the year I end up steamrolling myself to Christmas deadline like this it is the busiest part of the year because you're setting up for the for the following year and you might be trying to get um you've got to organize who's coming on what days all that kind of thing but there might be new contracts so all of that for me is done at the same time as finishing up for the end of the year Um, and the last three years I've just you know melted myself somehow into a Christmas leave somehow, like with things undone. And I was like, don't worry about that anymore. Kids aren't getting presents, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. It's like things dropping off the list, left, right and centre. So yeah. this year, um, well-rested to start the year, but um, my focus is to keep that sustainable so that I don't get to that point again. 
So how do we decide? Because I'm that person too. Yeah, I can do that. And then I go, oh. Um, <laughs> the last year I've I've had to be brutal and say no and really deal with the guilt that comes with saying no to things. How do yeah. you manage that? I think planning is the first step. So, um, and Victoria, you um, don't know if people can access your planning um, session that you've already run. I don't know if there's a, a availability of that, but it is about Good. mapping out your year, putting your holidays in, making sure that families know when you're available, when you're not. Make sure you have a break. Like yep. we are all human. We need to do that. Um, schedule time in for yourself when you need it, when you know you need it. So for some people that might be a weekly thing, others might be a weekend away once a month. It's, it will be different for everybody, but schedule in time for yourself and do something for yourself so that you're filling your cup and that's happening. Yeah. But like totally, if you don't schedule it, it's not going to happen. Um, so get in there, get your annual calendar out and start marking stuff off so you know. Like we would, if we had a doctor's appointment, we would put it in there. Make ourselves just as important as those other appointments and yep. schedule in your time so you make sure it happens. Yep. So that, that would be my first one, plan, plan, yep. plan. Yeah, that is exactly what I talked about in that planning session. Um, and if you do want access to that, um, cause I ran, I, I did say I was going to run it, but then at the end of the year I had no energy and I couldn't hold space. So I just did it for people that were in, uh, the essential elements container. Um, but if you really want to have that, let me know, message me and I will send you a link to it and, um, you can, you can purchase a, a, a copy of it. Um, but that was the exact thing. You know, if you don't put yourself first, everything else is going to come before you and you're going to feel that weight of responsibility for all of the things to everybody else because you are a family daycare educator and we have this thing that our families rely solely upon us, which is not the case because they can quite easily go away for holidays when they're ready to. They make things happen if, you know, if, if I mean, there's some families that are in the position where there's no support around for them, but this is where it becomes really vital for you because if you want to be able to add those extra things for those families and be able to meet those needs, you have to be full yourself first. And that was one of the things that I talked about. Like, you know, like for me, I get my nails done once every three weeks. I get my hair done. I've just found myself a new hairdresser. So that that will be every six to eight weeks I'll get my hair done. Um, I want to get regular blood tests and check all my hormone levels. So once every six months I've scheduled that into my plan as well. You know, I've got all of Brian's psych appointments throughout the year and I've pre-booked everything so that that goes into my plan first because I go away for 10 weeks, uh, 10 days of every month now. And so I've really got, you know, I've got masterclasses and Q&A sessions and launches and all that sort of stuff that happens. So my calendar is really full already. But the very first thing I put in there was my break times because yeah. it's so important. And if you listen to last week's podcast too, I talked about making time for friends. That was another thing that I've put in there this year that I haven't had in previous years was two trips with girlfriends. And I'm really strategic about who I take or, or will go with on those because I don't want to waste my time 
talking about stuff that's not important to me. So it's aligning those things and those people together that are going to fill me up and it's going to get a positive benefit for them as well. So, yeah, I really think that's important and I think that's something that a lot of us have forgotten in the quest to be the perfect mother, family daycare, educator, business owner. Like we can't do it all and I really feel a pull to go back to what preschool kindy was like when I was in preschool kindy. Yeah. And, yeah. 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 Yeah, absolutely. Like less is way more, way, yeah. way more. Yeah. So at this point I've got my children that I've got in care at the moment. So you spend a lot of time in the early years getting them to a point where they can self-manage a lot of the stuff that they need to do. Like, we're very our daily rhythms very flexible when they get to sort of three and four because they will tell me I'm hungry now I don't make lunches and 11 30 on the dot we have to eat now everyone stop what you're doing so the flow can just be changeable for the children on that day but they are able to they know where things are they can ask if they want to change resources over we can do all that kind of stuff so putting in the hard yards first yeah. Um, really helps with that. And you don't have to have 25 activities out for the week. Mm-hmm. They can just pick what they want to do when they want to do it. Yep. Yep. I bang on about that so much in the essential <laughs> elements. Like just pair it all back. Pair it all back and bring in what you need to and then put it away because it's overwhelming otherwise. And, like, why are we doing four planned activities a day for the children? And it really concerns me that there are so many children that cannot imaginary play. Yeah. So they can only do a task that you give them and complete that task and then they don't know what to do next. They don't know how to amuse themselves or how to engage other children in play. Why do you reckon that is? Because we've pandered to children for too long or we've set them up with screen time so they've never learned how to do it. Mm -hmm. So once they get to school, those kids really struggle Yeah, because that once they've finished the task, they don't know what to do while everybody else in the class is finishing off their task or they don't know how to engage with children in the playground. So they're often wandering around on their own. Yeah, or they, they can't engage, they can't. Um, like finish tasks because their attention span is so, so short. short. Yes, yes, yeah. yeah. And this this is the blight that is modern technology. And this is what I mean when I say we need to go back to what it was like when we were in kindy in the early 80s, um, you know, and I'm just putting you firmly in my age bracket there. Um, <laughs> but in the early 80s there was, there was no TV. Like I remember as a kid there was TV but, like five o'clock running inside and I have a vivid memory of being five running down the hallway into the converted garage that my dad had turned into like a rumpus room type thing over this couch that he still has in his office now, like launching over the back of this couch and going monkey, monkey magic (laughs) and watching monkey magic at five. You know, (laughs) and, 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 and that was it. That was the one and only time that we got to watch TV and very occasionally were we allowed to, or did we watch Sesame Street in the morning, like occasionally or play school occasionally, but the rest of we were outside, like outside and playing and we every other kid in the street. (laughs) Yes. And, and this is what you have in family daycare, like 
get the children outside and start showing them how to investigate. Oh, let's look at this little bug. What's this bug doing? And, yeah, it is an unwinding and you really have to work really hard with these children and the families to tell them that screen time, it's a short-term fix and it's causing long-term problems because when those children are 14, 15, 16, they haven't learned how to internalize or like listen to their internal cues around risk. They haven't used their body the way it should be used. They haven't built those core fundamental strength skills and their core, like on the summer, I think it was uh, Lizzie Dawson we were talking about children falling off chairs in the classroom because they have no core strength. They can't sit on a bloody chair. Like and this so is- many kids in flight or fright because they haven't lost the reflex and yeah. they sit in the reflex too often. Yeah. 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 So can you share a bit about that? Because I find that interesting. Um. So, yeah, gosh, I went down that rabbit hole a few years ago. So with the reflexes from a baby from birth, we'll have quite a few. So a sucking reflex is one that um, you will notice children that don't use it it's a reflex that they have that gets used up over time so if Mm -hmm. a child doesn't use it up they'll retain it and it shouldn't be retained so a sucking reflex for a child that's often had issues breastfeeding or feeding or um for whatever reason um will often end up with some kind of speech issues a little bit later on because they're still their mouth hasn't lost the sucking reflex to then start developing the other muscles it needs to. Same thing happens with their feet. So when you touch a tiny baby's foot, it will, um, it will curl. Mm -hmm. So um, you need to lose that reflex to start walking that, that reflex should be gone when they're crawling around, but if they don't, they can't walk and then their gait's quite unusual and they will struggle with balance. So Lots of these little reflexes. The flight or fright one is a beautiful little reflex. So it's the one that keeps them a baby safe and alert because it will cry when something's wrong. So anything that startles it, the only thing it can do is cry to alert somebody for help. So it um, changing noise, a shock or a, a movement or whatever, it will the baby will jump and then cry. So. Mm. To um, and you see this a lot in like eighteen month old children when they when you're trying to get them to settle to sleep they still do it they wow. haven't lost that sense so to lose that particular that sense you need to just move it's all about gross motor movement get out um, running climbing lots of just moving your body backwards and forwards just uses up that reflex until yeah. you, you can. A child can cope and be more resilient rather than just scare and cry. Yeah, yeah, because and that's what they do when they scare and cry. Someone comes running. Someone, yeah. picks, someone picks them up. What's happening now is that someone is then sticking a screen in front of their face because it's inconvenient to have a crying baby. And, and unfortunately, the way you sit to watch a screen is you huddle in, which is what a baby does in in that when that fright or flight 
yeah, it's it's the it's the way to close it in to keep you safe. So they're not actually ever releasing it out because they're yeah. closing back in on on the reflex. And that then means that there's less resilience. There's that they're, they're not able to cope with change, and this is a really big factor. And especially coming out after COVID, where everyone was locked down for two years, I feel like we are going to see some really serious negative results from that in years and years to come. Uh, oh, I agree. I agree. Anxiousness. Yep. Um, yeah. And it will be physical and social, absolutely. Yep, emotional and yep. people, the, the lack of resilience um, that people are not going to have, the, the lack of ability to ingratiate themselves into situations because they were at home for two yeah. years. Uh, didn't go anywhere, didn't see family, didn't see friends, all that sort of stuff for two years. It's going to be a massive massive impact on on our world and I feel like we are coming out of that ourselves too and that has a lot to do with where educators are finding that they're just burnt out because it has become Groundhog Day and we did have those changes to regulations towards the end of the year. That's pretty much been the only change to regulations for quite a while. We had the change to transporting, I'm not sure if that was Australia-wide, but it was definitely in Queensland. We had the change to transporting in 2020. Um, But that was because certain big chains kept having certain incidences happen, which resulted in death, which is never okay. And, yes, change needs to happen to prevent that. Um, But prior, like previous or after that, rather, I from memory, and my memory is a bit shot, but I don't think we've had that many real changes to regulations. We've just had the EYLF be updated. There's not a massive amount in that. There's quite, there is a bit, but it's not enough that educators should be like, oh, this is overwhelming. There were major changes. It was just lots of little additional things. Yeah. Like removing some stuff, adding some different stuff in, slightly changed the focus. There's a lot more content and topic around um, Aboriginal Torres Strait Island, Islander yeah. stuff, like which is great. It should be in there. Uh, but it, it's it's not really anything that should see a major difference to educators. No. So when Programs edu- should not change from no. those changes. No, not at all. And so... So it concerns me when I see educators are like, oh, the programming, they're taking the family out of family daycare. And I go, well, how? How is that happening? And I think what's happened is that we have collectively wound ourselves up in this whole situation where people feel like everything, just everything is overwhelming. So what do you think we need to do to start unwinding that? to get a little bit more ease and space. Firstly, for those people that are feeling this fear, like it's too much, it's overwhelming, now is the perfect time yep. to do this. So it's it's just chill out, wind it back. So the beginning of the year is the perfect, perfect time to do it. You've got, it's quite likely that you'll have new children in care or you've changed the days that your children are coming the dynamic will be different. So you, we all need to learn to sit in the new dynamic. So the first few weeks should be chill out, get to know the get to know the children that you've got in care, what are their likes, dislikes, make some notes, 
then you've done your program. You've already started your program. Like pick two or three things like that. Um, I use the ASEQA um, milestone development checklist. Oh, good. Pick, pick, tick it off. What do they need to do? They're just starting toilet training. They're starting to um, feed themselves with a spoon. That is your individual goal for that child. So you don't have to actually create activities to meet those milestones. It's just part of your everyday. Yeah. Meal time, make sure there's some yogurt or wheat bix or something that the child can eat with a spoon or a knife and fork so they can start doing that. Toilet training is going to happen with all your children no matter where they're at. So you're either going to do nappies or be taking them to the toilet. So you, you're just going to be hitting those milestone marks for that child anyway. Yeah. So just pair it back, like bring it right back and get to know the children, you know. It's... um. What are their interests if they like, you know, if they're into dinosaurs, maybe some other kids aren't into dinosaurs, you know, mm. take turns in using their interest as something that you might set up for an activity. You're mm. following their interests, but you're intentionally teaching other children that aren't really interested in dinosaurs. Mm. Um, yeah, just be with them, follow their lead mm. and, yeah, strip it right back. Just hang out with them. Yeah. Get to know them, get them yeah. feeling confident and connected to you. I listen, I watched a post the other day, one of my educators, she was asking because she's got a lot of one-year-olds in care with her this year and she hasn't had that for the last couple of years. She's had the same cohort go through with her. So now she's back to the beginning. She was like, holy moly, separation anxiety. Oh, I don't know what's hit me. <laughs> so I wrote a whole heap of things that she could send to her families and some websites that families could access to give them further information around separation anxiety. But then she'd done some further research herself and found this great um, clip where, I don't know this person who they were, some professional person. Um, I'll see if I can link it into the show notes and I'll also put the milestone checklist into the show notes for educators to listen to as well, to use as well. Um, But this person was saying everyone thinks the opposite to anxiety is calm and it's actually not. The opposite to anxiety, I think she said, was connection. Yes. And so when you feel connected, whether that be connected to another person, more connected to self or connected to the environment, when you feel that connection, your anxiety levels really reduce. And that was really important. And one of the things that we've done in our service is we've said no programming December and January. Like I oh, love it. I love it. Absolutely. Just, don't don't bother because and it's winding up what you've already got so my programming for january is the development checklist for every child and i just tick off things that i notice if i miss it doesn't matter we'll catch it up yep during the year sometime yeah um the other thing is like with those children that are coming in this is your worst time of year this is the hardest it's going to be for the whole year so yep. if you've got new kids, and I love what you're just saying about that connection, I re- remembering one of my little one of my little girls that came in, and her first her first probably five or six times she came in, her connection was her drink bottle and backpack. Yeah. She wasn't ready for the connection to be me. She yep. would get upset when mum left, and her it's like she had a, a bunny and a few other things but what she needed was to wear her backpack and carry around her drink bottle 
which was one of those heavy yetis, but <laughs> she carried that around for half a day and I knew she was okay when she put the drink bottle down to do something else and yeah. then eventually the backpack would come off. But that happened five times in a row until she was comfortable to come over to me and do some things. So it takes time. Don't yeah. stress it. We all get there in the end. But this yeah. is like for those people that are feeling the overwhelm and the, oh, it, it, this is the worst time. Yeah. We'll get better. Like especially if new children, trying to get them or trying to crack how they go to sleep, will they go to sleep, they're in a new environment. Like yeah, every year it happens to me, I'll have a child that's, even if they've been here last year, I haven't seen them for a few weeks, they come back and they're, their their sleeping routines changed and I'm like something's happened I forgot to ask mum I don't know what it is you know um but you work through it and then the rest of the year's a breeze yeah yeah it's it's so funny because those kids that come in that that have been with you and then they've had holidays they come in exhausted like shattered and so do the Monday kids. Kids that come to kindy on a Monday are exhausted because you never get parents staying home chilling, having that regular rest time for the children. They're busy. They're out doing things. They're doing a million and one things. They're out late at night, especially over the Christmas holidays. Quite often you've gone away or you've had extra people in your house. Like it makes a huge difference when you look at a little person who's got maybe a year or two years of life skills up their sleeves. Like I can't deal with people in my house for more than three or four days before I'm like, oh, you know, like they go to bed at different times. They get up during the night and like all these interruptions that happen really have an impact on our nervous systems. And for children, it is tenfold different. Like it's just, it's unimaginable. We forget it. We forget that. And so when they're coming into your care, they're tired and they're already tired. And this is where it comes to being very particular in your interview process, especially when you're taking children on to start brand new in the new year. You need to be saying to the families, the first few weeks that your children are in childcare, they are going to be exhausted you need to pare back your life so that mm-hmm. your child has so much opportunity for quiet and rest at home. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And we can say that because we're advocating for the children. Yeah. We're advocating for the children. So that should be a conversation for every parent that's first starting in care. Please, for the next couple of weeks, pare your life back. Don't have and I think advice. as educators, we need to do that too because this is the hardest time for us. Yep. Energy, emotionally, like everything yep. is going, it's, it's just going to be the toughest yep. four to six weeks. So yep. make your weekends, clear them. Yep. You know, don't have all those evening activities to go to, the school things and whatever. No. Like, yeah, just say no for a few weeks and then yep. you can jump back in later. Yep. Like really, because you're not just managing the children, you're managing the new families as well. Oh, and, absolutely. And, you know, you, you quite often you've got those those mamas who check in every hour, you know, yeah. and, and don't respond to it. Don't get into the trap of responding to every single message that they send immediately. That is not your job. Your job is to be present with the children if you've got a parent that's sending you messages, 
just send a really quick, short, sharp, hey, I know that you're really worried, pardon me, really worried about your little one. You're you're feeling that separation from them. If anything is not going right, I will let you know straight away, but I really need to be present with the children right now and I can't keep answering your messages right now. So if anything's happening that you should be aware of, I will message you straight away. And if I get the chance, I'll send you little updates when I can. Don't go into the trap because if you've got four new families, that's four new mamas who potentially are going to be messaging you, that's one every 25 minutes. Yeah. yeah, Like you can't be present with the children if you're trying to send messages and blah, blah, blah. Like just say no and tell your families in the interview, I'm really present with the children when I'm with the children. I'm not going to answer every single text message that you send. If you're texting me to say, how's Johnny going? You know, Johnny's going great. And I'll let you know if they're not settling in. I'll let you know. Yeah, 100%. And settling in, having that conversation, like check in, let them know. I'm going to touch base at week three and let you know how we're going. If things are looking dicey, with, with the separation anxiety and settling in and sleeping and all that sort of stuff, at week three we're going to check in and see how that's going. And then at week six we're going to make the decision whether your child's ready for care or not. Yes. And if you forewarn the parents, it's not an awkward conversation. Like It also gives them the expectation and the knowing that this is possible, not all children will settle. So it's yeah. not it's not something wrong with your child, like I've had to do something special for your child. This is a process that all children go through. We will just see how your child is going through that process. Yeah, 100%. And if you forewarn the families, like they are potentially expecting it. And if you are having that conversation at week three and you're saying, look, they're still not settling at rest time, like I, I would like to try this, this and this. How is that working at home? Because quite often we've got babies that are coming in or children that are coming in that are breastfed to sleep or they co-sleep at home. And we need to know that. We need to suggest to the parents, particularly if you're interviewing them last year, ready to start this year, that they take that into consideration over the Christmas holidays and they don't breastfeed to sleep and they don't co-sleep to sleep anymore, that they start having other people help the children go to sleep and things like that because it makes that transition to kindy so much easier. And this is you advocating for yourself and the children and having these conversations before it's even a problem. Yes, absolutely. And circumventing this stuff. Yeah. So, um, What do you think are some strategies that educators can have up their sleeves to diffuse, um, you know, disruptive or high energy behaviour? I think there's a number and you need, there's a number of different strategies, but keep them really simple. So if if your kids have all gone super high energy and well, um, a quick run outside, if you can't get outside, um, I've, I've, depending on weather or circumstance or whatever, I will make a little inside obstacle course. So it might be go under these under these chairs and over this table or whatever or through the box or whip out one of those tunnels. Get them to do that a few times, then change it up so that they're 
they're really processing in their mind what's mm. got to go on, but they're being allowed to move their body to let out some of that really high energy. Mm. Um, another one's just like do star jumps, jump up and down, play a game of Simon Says, but make it a really moving kind of game. Mm. Um, hide and seek's another one to kind of start to bring it down. What was so, that one? Hide and seek. Oh, hide and seek, yeah. So, um, and if you're if you've got a really small space, you can still do it. Hide an object. So yeah. get everyone to to be quiet, and then they're going to creep around like mice to look for the object. Don't wake it up. Um, that kind of thing. So it doesn't matter how big or small your space is. Um, we've got a little purple wooden ball called Rolly that we use to play hide and seek when we need to if we're out and about. Um, and then. Bless you. And then to bring it right down, it might be bring them in to read a book or whatever. And then once you've you've got to a calm space, then you can go again because everyone's back on a similar energy level. Yeah, yeah. That's super interesting. Um, for those that are not watching, I sneezed. I muted myself. That's why in the <laughs> middle of that, Steph said, bless you. <laughs> for everyone listening, they'll be like, what? What was that? Bless you. What game's that? I don't know what that one is. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it like, and this is the thing, right? We've got to get creative and we know these things are going to happen. So brainstorming these ideas and having like just a notepad or a, you know, a little basket, maybe you can have a basket of, I used to have um, games that I could just pull out at an instant. I also had acti like chores that children could do with me. So if I had children that were, you know, perhaps not getting along with the other children in the sandpit or whatever, I would then say, oh, you know, Johnny, I really need some help um, polishing the crayons or polishing the, um, the silverware because we had a lot of silverware in our home corner and I would get these beautiful old teapots and things from the secondhand store and the children would help me polish those up and every age group can help do that. Uh, or it could be that we used to oil some of our timber toys you know so we had um yeah. timber trucks that the men's shed made for cooper when he was a baby and they were part of my childcare, um uh, my my um daycare and so the children would get the beeswax and we would polish with the beeswax and an 18 month old can do that too so these are all things that you can help pull them apart from the group if they need some time to regulate their nervous system and that quite often happens at the beginning of their care journey because it's so overwhelming and so much happens and they they are not the center of attention in the universe anymore because they're not just home with their mum. They're, they're also really good tips for the children that don't know how to play or engage in play. Mm. They, they need to be a bit closer to you and observe that happening and learn what kind of goes on before they can jump in. Yep. So that's a really nice way to to have them alongside you. You're not giving them an activity to do. You're not doing something with them and for them, but they're they're able to just quietly do that and observe other children playing so they can learn how how the rules yeah. work and how yeah. Yeah, and and that's the thing like we have to teach children too how to ingratiate themselves into play. Yeah. Because not every child has had the opportunity to do that with siblings or other groups of children. And and it, it is a learned 
thing. Not everybody understands how to do it right from word go. And I've still got children that are totally capable of it and then just they'll just be having an off day and they still need help. And it's like, can I help you ask if we can join in? Yeah. You know, like what 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 might we say? How would we ask them? And then yeah, but they might want to hold hands to do it or something. But sometimes we all need help. Yeah, 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 totally. Or, oh, look, they're at the cafe. Maybe you could be the milkman who brings all the milk so they can make their coffees. Come on, let's get the basket and off we go. Yeah, we'll, yeah. We'll, we'll do a delivery and that can be a lovely soft entrance into a game as well. But what you're doing is you're demonstrating and you're role modelling how to do things. And that's another thing too. If you're tired and you're overwhelmed and you're short because you've got no resources left, you're role modeling to the children to be short and the children will be short with each other. And like the children are absolutely a reflection of the energy that you hold. And that's probably going to slap a few people in the face. Um, but it's I'd just like to say, if you bring low, bad energy, in rem- just flick yourself back to high school when you had a relief teacher. That is what you're going to get from your kids. They yep. will just be chaos. Yep. It's like, oh, the relief teacher's here. Let's, let's, you know, throw things at the ceiling. You know, a kid would jump out the window. It would just be crazy. Yep. That's what happens when you don't have enough energy to hold space. Yeah. Oh, that takes me straight back to Sean Lambert and Lindsay Wadette. <laughs> <laughs> when I was in year 12. We had this teacher, Miss Tierney, she was our English teacher, and Sean Lambert made this song up about her, la-da-dee, la-dee-da, Miss Tierney, where's no bra? And, like, she was our regular English teacher. I still remember it to this day. It was so naughty, but all she did was, like, oh, Sean, oh, Sean. Like, she did not hold him accountable and she did not hold the space. She was at the end of her teaching career and plainly did not give a rip anymore. That is an absolute magical example because we send our own children to school and we never want them to have that teacher. Yeah. We should never be that educated for the children coming into care. No, no, We know no. the difference, make the effort, do the things you've got to do yep. to make the change to be better. Yeah, yeah that, that whole piece around organisation. And I know some people, because I do, we do the seasonal planning, and I know some people are like, how can you plan 12 weeks in advance? That's not following child-led. And it's like, well, hang on a second, it is. It really is because what it does is it gives you so much more mental space. When you know what you're doing, when you know what's coming up and you know when it's coming and you've used the milestone checklist to make those plans. Can I just say, for child-led, you can't have your whole program child-led because a child only knows what they know and we need to intentionally teach them so they know more. (laughs) If they only ever knew what they knew at two, when they were 20, they would be... A long way behind. Oh, massively, massively. And this is, I talk about this in the essential elements about the kinds of intentional teaching that there are. I go right into that in depth. And, you know, there's the beside. And it's all relevant and it's all worthwhile knowing because we do, we can't operate in a silo. We can't operate in a silo. And when we get into that place of, in a silo, which is a hundred percent child-led activities and program, 
it's you're missing out on these really rich opportunities to teach the children and that's what you're going to be doing in the first few weeks yeah. and you also can't do that for four individual children no well if you're trying to do that you are going to kill yourself and you're doing way too much yep a hundred percent a hundred percent so your first four to six to eight weeks even depending on your group and the age of your group is all about observing where the children are at, looking at how they interact, assisting. But what you're actually doing is, A, you're role modelling and you're telling them the values of your service, which comes back to you knowing your philosophy and knowing what's important to you and how do you want to steer this ship because it is your game. It is 100% your game and what you say goes in your game. Now, that's not being authoritarian. That is being a really good leader. And children need leaders. They they need leaders and you're using that time to connect. So as soon as you get them to follow you, you can do whatever you want. Yep, 100%. 100%. And that might mean you sitting on the floor for the first two or three weeks if you've got all little ones and just being there and being there and then having a few different tricks up your sleeve in terms of a basket with bits of, you know, a discovery box where they can have a look at what's in there and start to come off you and be a little bit engaged in what's in this this discovery box. And these are all the things and skills and strategies that you can use. But your first four to six to eight weeks, 100% is setting the tone with both the children and the families of how your service is going to run. Now, if you're an educator that's already been operating, you might have a little bit of undoing to do in the first couple of weeks. If you are that person who's finding themselves, stuff's got to change. I caught myself. (laughs) (laughs) Stuff's got to change. You can't keep doing the same thing and expect a different result. That is the definition of insane. And it's just old, like we've got to come back to basics, come back to basics and and be gentle on yourself, but also kick yourself up the bum because you're exhausted because you've let yourself get there. Yeah. And I think too, like lots of people will be going, oh, but where do I start? If you are still at a loss where to start, my first thing would I would say is make sure you feel good. Mm. So wear something nice. It, it might be put on a necklace or um, do your hair, bit of yep. mascara, I don't know, whatever it is for you, a new pair of shoes, whatever it is for you, feel good about yourself before you open the door and let those people in. Mm. You are going to then project a better person than the person that didn't make the effort. Yep. So that's the first smallest step and then just, yeah, little yep. steps from there. Yeah. Find on yourself. I, And I would say 100% be organised in the morning. Like if you've got your own little children, put the extra 5 or 10% in and get lunches made the night before, put overnight oats in the slow cooker if you have to, if breakfast time is a nightmare for your family, put overnight oats in the slow cooker or put them in the fridge. You know, you can make those ones in the mason jars, whatever. Do that the night before so that you've taken those jobs off. Get your own kids to, if you let them choose their clothes for the next day, get them to do that before they go to bed. Have all that set out the night before. Do as much as you can the day before to make ease in the morning because when you start your day, my favourite thing 
was to get up before everybody else in the family, have a cup of tea. At the time, it was a cup of coffee or a cup of tea, whatever your thing is. I do ceremonial cacao now. Um, but get up in the morning. And I used to love either going for a walk or watching the sunrise up through the trees, listening to the world wake up. And I centered myself and I really would think about the children that were coming into care that day with me. And I would send them endless amounts of love before they even came into my door. And I would say, my wish today is that you're going to do X, Y, and Z, or you're going to experience X, Y, and Z. I just held a picture of that child in my mind before they arrived, which meant then that I had this softness in my heart for the children before they even arrived. And I would often then have a little bit of meditation music. I love Donna Delore or um, Diva Pramal. I used to listen to a bit of that sort of music. I'd have my incense on or my oil burner on. And I just really set the tone in my house. So my own family would get up and the children would, um, you know, my kids would get up and, and be organised and they would meet that energy when they yes. woke up yes. like yes. it was beautiful you know the so- other beautiful thing about that victoria is you've planned your day yeah so by actually thinking i want this for this child and i want to do this and i hope they can do this you've actually planned your activities out and you know what your days looks like yeah well i always i already knew because i did my 12 weeks plan in yeah. advance yeah. and so for me these first few weeks is all around connection And then moving beyond that, there was a practice that I did every day. I would have at least 10 minutes of quiet time at some point in the morning before my families arrived. And we had Joe the Hurricane that used to come three days a week. I operated Tuesday to Thursday and Joe the Hurricane would be on my door at 7 a.m. every morning without fail with two kids in tow. I don't know how she did it, but my kids would be like, here comes Joe the hurricane, (laughs) comes through the house and oh my God, you know. So, But but I had that beautiful, so it was like a blip in that little energy. And the minute she left, and she's a beautiful person, don't get me wrong, but she high energy. She was go, 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 because she had to be here and out the door by no later than 7.07 in the morning. So it was an epic task on her behalf. And so she was, she hit the ground running, whereas I hit the ground and I went, where's the ease? (laughs) So we would have this little blip come in. And then the minute we said goodbye to Joe, we would then go back to, and I would bring her children down. Yes, yes. And then these beautiful, quiet activities until I took the elder child to the bus stop. And then the other children would start arriving. But it's, it's intentional. And this is where I think educators that are feeling overwhelmed, anybody that's feeling overwhelmed, there's no intention because you're stuck in the overwhelm pattern. So you've got to pull yourself out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So do you have any final words of wisdom, Steph, that we haven't covered? Honestly, just be kind and and don't mm. don't berate yourself that you feel like you're in this in this place. Like I said earlier, this is the hardest time of the year. So if you've come back from leave and you're feeling all relaxed and then feel like you just got smashed day one and two, <laughs> yep, you did. <laughs> yep. You know, like just own it and go, okay, this is the hardest time of my year. I just need to pair it back, sit with the children, get to know them. And even if they've been coming for years and years or whatever, then they might be with a different group of children. Get to know that day's group again, you know. Yep. 
spend time with them. Their interests will have changed over over their break time as well. Yeah. So yeah, just and really pair stuff back for January and then start yeah. looking. What are we going to do in February to focus on individual and group yeah. programming needs? Yeah, moving, having a plan moving forward, and please, please eat well and drink, hydrate yourself with water. Hydrate. And don't forget, in this first few weeks, if you've got um if you've got the opportunity, do do your meal cooking with the children in care. Mm. I know lots of not all of my children, but lots of my children love to come and help me cook. Yep. And if that means throwing a few things in a slow cooker or peeling some veggies and chopping them up with them so you've got something done yep. when they leave you're not having to do everything yeah yeah you utilize it's your business run it the way you want to make it work you know do it with the children so that you've got more energy at the end of the day oh 100 and this is what i don't understand when educators here we go here's a rant this is what i don't understand when educators say you know i don't have time like oh do it in your work hours like your programming should be done in your work hours when the children sleep, when the children rest, if they don't sleep, they must rest. It's okay to tell them to lay on their beds for a half an hour, listen to an audio book or read books quietly. Don't ask me questions. I'm having, I'm doing my work time. This is my important work and I need time to think and process what I'm thinking. So I don't want to answer questions for you. Do your programming then. If you've got washing, family washing, I always used to have kindy washing, face washers, tea towels, the odd blanket, whatever. I would hang my washing out while the children were outside and playing and I had a basket of kindy stuff there so that if anybody wanted to help, they could come and help. If there is so much learning there too. Like, yep. Pass me the white coloured pegs. Now I want a blue peg. Like, yep. Count them. Like, yeah. And you peg. As a learning opportunity. It's Absolutely. And you're getting your tasks done at the same time, but they're also feeling part of a thing that's bigger than them. It gives that. This is how you bring the family back into family daycare. You know, wintertime was great. You used to always put the slow cooker on in the morning. Those That was the job that those kids that came 7 o'clock we would put the slow cooker on and that would be dinner done. And then sometimes if I knew it was a big batch, I'd give that those particular children because they were always the last ones to leave as well. I would give them some of that for like an early dinner for them, you know, yeah. or if there was enough, then I'd I'd have what we'd done in the slow cooker and they had that for dinner too because I knew their mum was working her butt off. I caught myself again. I've been on holidays, people. My filter is not so strong. Um, I swear like a sailor for anyone that hasn't realised that. Uh, I just mask it so well. Um, you know, so the, these are things that you can do. And and at lunchtime, you know, that was why it was really important that I had the children resting and sleeping because I would sweep and mop my floor. I would clean my bathroom. I did all that stuff at rest time. Like I had this rhythm that... And I was very, very disciplined. Discipline is the word. And I know people go, but honest to goodness, there is no one watching you do what you do. You are answerable to yourself. You are answerable to yourself. And if you're feeling overwhelmed because you're not getting the time to do stuff in the day, you got to look at your day. What are you doing because you're steering this ship? What are you doing that's not working? And change it. Change it, change it, change it. 
Yeah, you can do that. You're allowed. And do all the things in your, I used to fold my washing up while the children were playing and then my washing was all done. So I wasn't, you know, dinners were done quite frequently before the children left and all those things so that when when I waved goodbye to the last child, my inside room was packed up. We played outside. No one came inside. I took my sign out stuff outside. Siblings didn't come into that room. We were all outside. And they, I'd put, sometimes if I had a tricky sibling, I'd put the gate across to the inside toy room so that the children, they couldn't come in. And I didn't have to do that for very long because I read that often too. How do I manage siblings coming in and parents saying, I'll bring the children in for an extra play? Uh, sorry, no. No. <laughs> no. They're not covered under my insurance because they're not enrolled with me. Um, that would be the first thing that I would say. Second, too many children in a space. Yeah. 100%, 100%. So you are the owner of this business. Coles would not let your children pull stuff off the shelves for the fun of it and just let you walk away. They would they would not do that. They would come and stop you from doing it. You just wouldn't do it in the first place unless you're a real rat bag, but you just wouldn't do it in the first place. So there's no difference between there and here or your place. You, you tell, you allow what happens in your space to happen. And if you're unhappy with what's happening in your space, you're the only one that can change it. Yeah. And you are the business owner. It is your business, I think, is the make the changes, but keep reminding yourself you're a business. Yeah. If you were if you were in a childcare center, would you allow this to happen? Just ask yourself those questions. Yeah. A hundred percent. Oh, Stephanie, it's been so good to chat with you. Thank you so much for making time on a Sunday to uh, <laughs> share your wisdom. And uh, do you have a social media page? That- no, I don't. Oh, you don't? Okay, cool. That's all good. Well, those of you who want more from Stephanie will not find it because she's not a good <laughs> No, you, you will. Just a little heads up. Later on in the year, you shall hear more from Stephanie, but uh, uh-huh. that's all I'm yeah. going to say. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Stephanie Hoy, uh, Educator of the Year, it has been fantastic to chat with you today. Thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and your time. Thanks for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and I look forward to working more with you because you're part of our Essential Elements membership and uh, it's such a value to have you in there. There's so much wisdom that you bring to to our group of fabulous women in there as well. So thank you very, very much. Awesome. Thank you, Victoria. Have a beautiful day. Will do. Hi friend, thank you so much for joining us today. I hope you got a lot out of today's episode. When we work on our own, we can sometimes be in a silo. So having new perspectives and different ways of looking at things is vitally important for the growth of our individual selves and our professional selves as well. We love feedback, so if you felt compelled to share what you thought of today's podcast, we would love to read your thoughts. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcast. That helps our podcast to get out to the wider community. And the more that hear what we have to share, we think the better it is. Thanks so much, friend. We'll see you next time. Till then, big love.